the natural first reaction is, oh my God, we're going to implement this technology and I'm going to lose my job. This is Machine Meets World, Infinia ML's ongoing conversation about artificial intelligence. I am James Kotecki, joined by Michael Kalin, RTI International's Executive Vice President and Chief Financial Officer. Welcome, Mike. Thanks, James, for having me. I appreciate it. So for people who actually think they know what RTI International is, what do they think you do? People that know us know that we're an independent research institution. They may know us uh, by having a lot of health expertise. They may know us by having a lot of education expertise. They may know us as someone who does a lot of international development and all of those things are true. About 80% of our work is federal, but um, it spans pretty much all the agencies and it's, it's a global organization where we're doing work, not just domestically in the US, but in 70 countries around the world. So you're the CFO, you're not obviously the one doing the primary research, at least not most of the time, I'm guessing. Right, what right. is your interest in artificial intelligence? Really for me, it started maybe a couple of years ago as I was trying to think about the future of how finance operates within RTI. And embedded in that vision was really bringing technology, artificial intelligence, other other tools into what we do. And you know, back in 2016, we, we weren't really quite ready for the technology adoption, I would say. We, we did other things that were important and foundational. It's not until like in the last year where we've really started to do some work and do some pilots that really help um, advance what we're trying to do as a function, but also how we support um, our research teams. And is it fair to say that some of those foundational issues were getting the data set up, getting the data in the right place, getting it cleaned up? It's hard to get good, clean data when it's coming from you know 25 different systems and you're trying to bring that together to try to do something with. So that's a challenge that we're still wrestling. The second thing is people. I was really spent a lot of time trying to get my staff and my organization sort of mentally ready for technology adoption. There's almost a component of emotional readiness there. Obviously the yeah. term AI can conjure up a lot of mixed emotions for a lot of people. <laughs> Talk yeah. to me about the emotions that were welled up in RTI and, and how you navigated that as a leader. One of the most important things um, is really trying to get in the hearts and minds of your team because the natural first reaction is, oh my God, we're gonna implement this technology and I'm gonna lose my job. I mean, that's what they, that, that was the thing that was on their minds in 2016, 2017. So we spent a lot of time talking about why that wasn't to be, the, that what, why that wasn't the case. And there's a lot, there's enough information out there that, that I think has proven that, yeah, their jobs are going to change, but new jobs are going to get created. And so how are you evolving as an individual or professional to take advantage of those, those new opportunities? And some of that we had to create new skills in the team. Um, and some of that we had to think about jobs differently. So basically it's just, I, for me, it was about being you know, open and honest and transparent about it and communicating consistently about it. So that my team, when we did start to do things, they understood why we were doing them. Um, we spent some real, real time really communicating to our organization how to embrace automation and technology and AI and, and what it was going to mean for them and that, that it wasn't a threat. Um, that it was actually an aid. It's actually taking what we're doing today and making it better. You know, we're using some machine learning techniques to change the way we forecast revenue for the organization. So before that was a very manual, bottoms up build process, it's sort of project by project, you build it up and it's very cumbersome. It takes a long time. But today, now we've got looking at the last 15 years worth of data, we can actually create an AI model that forecasts what revenue is going to look like in the future. We can do that like that. Now, is it 100% accurate today? No, but it's the it's a it's a better place to start from than all of that effort building up. So we're basically re-engineering how we do our entire revenue forecasting for the institute. Is there another example or two of really practical areas where you're using AI and actually seeing now 
some results or some hints of results that will be practical. One project that we worked on with with Infinia, which was has been very good, is um, really using machine learning to help us in our proposal development process. And so, if you we we do a, a tremendous amount of proposals every year, that's the the engine of of the institution and. What we have done is we've taken something that was a very human, an individual human-led process about what's in their brain to get it into the proposal, and we've been able to leverage all the the collective knowledge of the institute, meaning all the things that we've done over the last ten or twelve years, and get that into a place where we can build an algorithm that says, okay, the requirement is this. Here's the best set of proposals that we've had in the past. So let's start with that, and we build that in, and then then we're using our people. To modify, edit, and change that baseline that we're starting from versus basically starting from scratch, and you know it's a big efficiency opportunity for us. But I also think it will help us with a better outcome on the proposal side. And we rolled that out in February, and we've had tremendous adoption. Our research staff, the feedback we're getting from our research staff is fantastic. Where they're really starting to see the benefit that it provides to them. So that's one example of something internally that's been very successful. And I think once you have something like that that's successful, then there's a yearning for more which is very helpful. So it's pretty clear that one of the mindsets you are leading here is that it's not about replacement of people with AI necessarily. It's about AI almost giving people a head start. Um, in both cases, we're basically eliminating all the grinding that needs to get done so that our teams can then work with that and use their, you know, their intelligence and their analytical skills to then really make that, that beginning point better. So the good news is our staff now have some examples where they see that to be the case. So they're a little less threatened about what AI or machine learning will bring to them. Are there ethical or kind of AI responsibility concerns that you have as a leader that you're either monitoring or dealing with as you roll out these technologies? I think what we would like is that the outcomes from any of those efforts are objective and are free of bias. Objectivity is one of our core values at RTI. And, and that's because all the research work we do and everything that we provide for our clients, we want to make sure it's objective. And I would hope that anything that we do with AI you know, yields an objective outcome. So what we're trying to do, like in those two cases, is we validate. So we look at what the model's producing. We test it against what we already know. Is it is it making sense? Is it yielding the outcomes? If not, what can we teach it to, to get us to the place where we think it's an, an, an objective outcome? And it's not easy. This whole piece at the end of actually monitoring it and making sure effectively that it does what you want it to do is something that maybe executives don't think about, but probably should. It's changed a lot in the last 24 months, I would say. I think there's there's a lot more acceptance, a lot more knowledge. There's a lot more companies that are doing things. And so I think as they get pilots up and they recognize how to manage that going forward, they recognize there's a piece of that that has to occur. I feel like more people are talking about it and more people are figuring out how they embed that sort of structure in their organization. They may not have got it solved yet. Like we don't have it totally solved, but we recognize the issue. And so we've then got to structure some people and, and systems and things internally um, differently to be able to maintain this new asset that we have internally so that it can be effective. Is there something that you commonly see executives just don't get about AI? You know, adoption of AI, digital transformation to me is all about people. It's not about the tech. I mean, you can buy the tech tomorrow if you wanted it, but if you don't have an organization that's aligned, excited, motivated about the, you know, the change that can come from the adoption of the technology, then you, you're not going to get the benefit from it. So spending more time on, you know, getting your people excited, aligned, developing new skills in the organization and creating resources to do that. I think that's probably where organizations maybe miss a little bit. And we did initially, and we're spending a lot more time on that now to make sure that we bring everybody along. 
Does it change the way you hire people in non-technical roles? It's obvious that if you're starting to do all this AI stuff, you'd maybe be hiring more people that know about AI. But right. other people in non-technical roles have to deal with it, understand it, hopefully not fear it from day one on their job. So does it change the way you look for candidates? Uh, yeah, absolutely it does. And, and I'll tell you, that is, that is one of the hardest things. Quite candidly, as hiring managers in a function, say in finance, you have a view of what a great finance person looks like. And what I'm trying to tell my leaders is you got to you got to change your worldview a little bit because some of those skills, yes, are relevant, but we probably need to have other skills in the team that we never even thought about before that would benefit the whole. And so, yeah, it does force you to think a little differently. Like, should we have a data scientist in our team instead of going to a central source? It's more impactful if it's embedded in the organization. So um, it's a for us, it's a work in process. Mike, is there anything else that this conversation has shaken loose from your brain today that uh, you want to say before we close out? This is a journey. You know, don't look at this as a specific set of goals you're going to achieve in the next six or 12 months. I think this is a journey that's going to happen over time. And um, don't get frustrated by fits and starts because you'll have some of them. And, and that's the way it's been for us, you know, but we're but we know it's an, a long term important um, item for us. And we continue to invest and continue to move things forward. And so I think if you think of things like a journey, um, you won't get as frustrated um, by maybe a la lack of immediate results, but they will come. Um, they, you will eventually get there. Michael Kalin, the CFO at RTI International. Thanks so much for joining us today on Machine Meets World. James, thank you very much, and I appreciate the opportunity. And thank you so much for watching. This is Machine Meets World. You can email us, mmw, Machine Meets World, at infiniaml.com. You can like, comment, share. You know what to do. I'm James Kotecki, and that has been What Happens When Machine Meets World.